Whew, we made it. What a week it has been. Yeah, pretty uneventful, mostly. Uh-huh. There was that one thing, though. That one thing. Tell us about that one thing. Well, uh, for all you who listen to the Commuter Devotional, just another big thank you. Uh, we did have a wild week as a family. Our five-year-old fell off his bike and broke his leg. We got him a new bike while a family member had given it to us. Brand new bike. He takes it out for a spin, and he took it for a big spill and uh, busted his shin bone. So, For the record, it's the best two-wheel bike riding he's done ever. I've never seen him go so fast or so far, and he was so, so proud, but then he wiped out. So, so yeah, it's been a week for sure, um, but we're making it through. He's doing much better. Yeah, thanks for all your support. There are a lot of people who reached out to us this week and just helped to get us through a really wild week that we weren't expecting. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, ready to get it started? Let's do it. Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. Today's episode is Toddlers and the Tabernacle. You know, one of the hardest things about doing this podcast that you don't think is going to be hard is coming up with creative names for each episode. Yeah, we really struggle with this. Our pastor loves to do um, points that all have the same letter, and I think we're trying so hard to copy that. So, Well, our topic today is about toddlers in church and how to parent your toddlers well. Um, and, you know, it kind of, you know, toddlers and tiaras was an old show. I don't even know if it's still on, but we were thinking like toddlers in the Trinity, toddlers in the temple, and we landed on tabernacle. So. Here we are. Thanks for coming along for the ride for that, because I don't know. I don't know how we got here. Yeah, we feel a lot of pressure to come up with creative names. Uh, I guess we don't have to, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should just scrap it. Just yeah. like this is Episo- our episode. Yeah. Episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> You're just scrapping titles altogether, not just the creative part. Yeah. Hey, who knows? <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Stay on tuned, this, folks. On this podcast, yeah. Um, all right, so here's our topic for today. We uh, we have three kids. We have a six-year-old. You always hesitate on this. Well. Six, five, three. Six, five, three. We have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old. Um, and uh, so we've, we've been there when it comes to sitting through a church service um, with little kids. And uh, we do want to preface this by like not – by by not saying like this is the best way to do it, we are pros at this. Um, but this is something that we have a lot of parents have said like, how do you get your kids to sit through the church service so well? And there's this weird balance between patting ourselves on the shoulder and saying, well, this is how we do it. But at the same time, we do think there's some things that we do that could help folks and kind of. That's what we want to do on this episode is kind of talk through that. Definitely. I, I'm i sure we'll talk about this a little bit, but when our kids were really, really little, like one and two, we were at a church that just didn't really have children's ministry. And so we were kind of thrown into this without really having put much thought into it. And so we kind of had to master this more when they were younger than I think we were planning to. And now we're like, okay, we want to be more thoughtful about this as they get a little bit older. Like, what does it look like for them to engage in the service with us? Yeah. And part of it 
does go back to our mentality about children in the service. And we know there are different, different um, mentalities or viewpoints on how to do this. So we kind of want to start by talking through our viewpoint on having children in the worship service. And our main goal in this episode is to encourage folks. Having kids sit through an hour to an hour and a half or sometimes longer church service is really difficult. Um, and a lot of parents really struggle with it. And it's a, it's a big piece of stress for them because especially in a church setting, there's this pressure to be a perfect parent and have a perfect family. And, you know, one Sunday where your kid is just really rambunctious can really, uh, or every Sunday, yeah, or we've every been Sunday, there. can really make you feel like an outsider in a church environment. Um, and so we want to mostly kind of offer encouragement uh, through this episode, and, and maybe some of the things that we talk about along the way will can be helpful to you. Definitely, and you said this already that like we we want to be careful to not say like our way is the best way. But I want to add to that like I don't even think there's just like two ways to do this like a right way and a wrong way. There are like hundreds of ways to go about this. So we're just focusing on what works well for us, kind of how we got to where we are today. I'm wiping off like jelly or something that's on my iPad. <laughs> like we mentioned, we have oh. a six, a five, and a three-year-old. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's start by kind of talking about our mentality. So um, when it comes to having your children in the worship service with you, um, what, what do we do? Yeah, so our church has available to us um, during the service itself that children who are, what is it, I think four and younger could go to like the nursery during service um, and older children are asked to be with the parents during service. So kind of what we've done for our family is we put the cutoff at age three that um, when the kids turn three, they start joining us for the service. Um, and kind of as they hit like, I don't know, developmental milestones, I guess there are different expectations that we have for how much they're participating with us in the service. So like, for example, um, when our kids are old enough to talk, we expect them to do their best to sing along. Even if that's one word of the whole song, they're expected to engage in that with us. So what that means is there's a lot of background work of we're, we're singing these songs at home. We're getting on our church's website to see, hey, what are we singing on Sunday? Let's practice one of the songs this week. Can you learn one line of it by Sunday? Um, and then once the kids get a little bit older, um, you know, it's more of, are they actually sitting and listening to the sermon? Are they engaging in that? And what does that look like? Yeah. And our oldest son is in kindergarten and this year he's starting to learn to write and do his letters. And so now in the service, he's got his own little notebook. He's listening and he's taking notes. It would have been sweet if we had brought his notebook down and uh, we could have read some of his awesome notes that he takes. Yeah, so the notebook we have for him is really great. It's super basic, but it just has like little um, sections for him. So it's like, what was the title of the sermon today? What were the key points of it? What questions do you have about it? And were there any words that you heard that you didn't know what they meant? So instead of like tapping us all service, like, hey, what's he talking about? He could just like jot it down, spell it the best he can. And later we can have a conversation about like, hey, let's talk about that word you didn't know or the question that you had, which is really great. Yeah. So I know a lot of churches are different, and some some churches offer children's or youth ministry all the way up through 18 during the church service. Um, and so we kind of want to talk through why we do this as, you know, we kind of set it at, th our church sets it at four years old, 
And we personally, as a family, try to set it at three. Um, and the reason mostly is uh, we, well, there's kind of how we landed here is, is we were kind of thinking back about old church. I mean, I'm talking 15, 16, 1700s church. Uh, they didn't really have youth ministry or uh, very underdeveloped children's ministry even. Children came to church with family and they sat in the big church uh, under the preaching of the word, sang songs, and then they went home. And their church services were often way longer than ours. And, and so, not all the flashy lights and all that, too, to even keep their attention. Like, it would have been way less of show that some churches have to, to keep their attention, and the microphones wouldn't have been there. And Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of got our minds thinking about what, where is the disconnect now? Because it seems like in... A lot of modern churches, I would say a lot, um, there's this kind of overarching theme of mom and dad go to the church and the children go to their own church. And uh, we didn't like that disconnect. We wanted as little, as young as possible for our kids to come into the big service with us where we are being, as a family, fed the word from the pulpit every Sunday. Um, and so that's why we've chosen this specific route. I want to kind of back up just a little bit and just like emphasize that we're talking specifically about the church service itself. Like we love family ministry and like our kids do go to Sunday school, like age appropriate classes before service. Like we're talking specifically about during the sermon and during worship, what we do. Right. I just, I want to, emphasize Good, yeah. that we do have our kids go to age-appropriate things, just not during this time. Good clarification, yes. So if the sign comes up, children are dismissed, we do not send our children. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And if there were like, you know, a weeknight thing for kids or something, we, we're not against those right. things. We love those things. We're just talking about the service itself. So under, under three years old, we have always sent our kids. So, um, you know, newborn, obviously, we bring them in the service with us for a little bit. And then once they get kind of old enough to be under someone else's care, we do send them to the children's ministry, to the nursery um, during that time, during that age. Yeah, I don't think we have this set in stone or anything. This is just kind of how it happened, at least with our youngest, that when she turned about two and a half, maybe once a month, we would have her join us for service just like as practice. of Like, hey, when you turn three, this is where you're going to be. But yeah, other than that, they, they were in nursery during service up until about three. Okay. So at this point, we have sort of set out our thinking on it. And I think we need to spend a little bit of time talking about our journey to get there a little bit more in more detail, because there may be people who are listening going, there is no way my seven-year-old can f sit through church or my five-year-old or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, and so this is where I think where if you're listening, maybe maybe we can offer the most encouragement. Um, and so the first thing I think that would be helpful for us as parents to think through is when that sign comes up that says children are dismissed, why are we dismissing them? Think through that. I mean, is it just because it's an option and maybe we've never even thought to keep them in the service with us? Or is it because you know your children might be a distraction to you and other folks. 
Um, is it because you feel the pressure that other folks might put on you because your kids could be a little bit disruptive in the service and so you'd rather not deal with that headache or that shame and so we send our kids. Um, sometimes us as parents, we don't even think through those things just because it's part, it's ingrained in our church culture. And so I think the first step is um, thinking through why why would we separate our children from one of the most important times of our week where we as parents are being fed the word of God um, from the pulpit with our brothers and sisters, partaking in the Lord's Supper, witnessing baptisms, singing songs to the Lord, and our children are somewhere else. Yeah, I heard this great analogy. Big surprise. I read it on a blog this week. Um, but it was talking about how a lot of parents put them in um, you know, Sunday school or nursery or whatever, so that they can be taught. Because a lot of churches do that, you know, they'll teach the same passage to the kids, but kind of like at age-appropriate levels of like whatever we're hearing in the sermon, they're reading the same verse in their thing and whatever. But I heard this great analogy about like um, language learning, where, you know, there are kind of two ways to learn a new language, where the first would be you know, you start by memorizing vocabulary and then you go into grammar and sentence structure and you kind of slowly build on that, which would kind of be more what it would look like to send the kids to Sunday school. Where the other option in learning language is like a full immersion where you're in way over your head. You don't understand what everyone around you is saying. But then when you get to the class where they're breaking down the syntax and things, you're like, oh, I've heard this in action and I totally understand it. So what they were talking about was you might be keeping your kid in church and feeling overwhelmed of like, they're not going to understand what the pastor is talking about anyway. They're only five, like they use big words and, you know, but at the end of the day, like, I think that's a great analogy of, yeah, there's going to be a lot that they don't understand, but if they understand only one little bitty nugget of truth in that sermon, like what a great conversation opportunity that could come up later in the week of like, hey, I noticed that you didn't know that word. Like, let's talk about it, you know, and it can lead to great conversations. Sorry, that was a really long analogy, but I thought it was great when I read it. See, see, <laughs> si, senorita. Oh my goodness, you don't have a fiesta button over there, sound effect? I don't think I do. Um, no, I think that was a, I think that was a great uh, analogy. I, I had never heard that before. I think it's super helpful. Um, okay, so I think the second thing that would be encouraging to folks is um, is to hear from God's word itself, um, the immense amount of preciousness and treasure the children are to the Lord. Because I think one of the biggest reasons that parents don't, aren't quick to think to keep their kids in service is because they are afraid of the shame that comes with a child that cries for 10 seconds. People are looking at you. Perhaps the pastor glances your way and suddenly you're just filled with shame um, at the fact that your kid is disrupting the church service. Um, so in the commuter devotional, we've been going through the book of Mark since January. And in chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says this, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. 
and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. To our Lord, children are the heritage of the kingdom. It's through our children that the kingdom of God is passed on. We have, there's two parts to this verse or this passage. One, the role of the church and uh, the parents to pass on the kingdom of God. And the second part is the children to inherit it. I think a lot of times passages like this one are kind of spoken and then churches don't internalize it. And so there's this weird culture of shame around parents who are afraid to bring their kids into the service because there's that deacon across the aisle who always shoots them a glance when they need their bottle or whatever the situation might be. And yet it is the church's responsibility to make sure we pass it on and the child's responsibility to inherit it. I hope, I hope that you can meditate on this and think through this um, if you are in a situation like this. Like this is how the kingdom of God is passed on the primary way that the word of God, the kingdom of God is passed on generation to generation. It's through the church, through the parents. Definitely. And I think too, like you're right, there are certainly some grumpy people at church who are genuinely giving you a look of like, can you quiet your kid? But I think a lot of that shame is like we put it on ourselves and we just assume that people are irritated that our kid made a noise when really they're not. Um, I don't know. I think I, I remember visiting a church when our kids were little or we were looking for a church at the time. And I remember they gave us like a card when we came in and it was just like, basically all of this written out, I wish I still had it. And it, it was talking about, um, you know, if your kid is disruptive, like we see it as a blessing that they're here. Like, please don't feel like you have to run out. I remember too, they were talking about, don't feel like you have to sit in the back to like hide your children. Like they want to see what's happening. And if you're in the back, like little kids can only see the back of other people's heads. Like feel free to sit in the front and let them see the people up on stage worshiping and things like that. And I think that a lot of churches do feel that way. Maybe we just don't vocalize it enough. Um, and I think we should. Yeah. Okay. So I, I love it, Ellen. And let's, so let's now switch to the how, because I think um, this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we, all that being said, Ellen and I, as parents, still expect our children to act a certain way in the church service. So we don't have Tasmanian devils running up and down the aisles, and nobody does, right? So, you know, and our kids still cry out. But there is still, we're at church, just as reverent as mom and dad are. We want our children to respect that same amount of reverence for what is going on. So let's talk about how, and I think one of the things that you just said is part of the reason that I think we, we have done a good job of this with our kids. We sit in the second row every Sunday. We always have sit in the fr sat in the front. Personally, that's just my preference. I like to sit in the front. And I think sitting in the front has helped our children to form just this habit of um, seeing what's going on, seeing what the pastor does. It's really easy for Ellen and I to call attention to something because it's right there in front of us. Hey, look at the words up on the screen. Hey, look at Pastor... Olick is going up on stage and he's about to preach. Look at the pastor. We usually just call him the pastor. Yeah. Um, but, but that's one thing that I think is, is actually a huge help to the children. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm an adult and I know that if I sit in the back and there's rows and rows of people in front of me, I get distracted too. And like, 
kids certainly get distracted more easily than adults do. So if I'm struggling with that, like it's going to be an even bigger thing for them. And again, this is not something that just like week one of us joining with the kids. This was like golden rainbows for us. Like it, it was a process of like, hey, maybe the first minute or the first Sunday he's in there for three minutes, he sat still and listened. And then Mm -hmm. the next week it was five minutes. Like it's little victories of like, hey, you know, we're working towards what is the expectation and it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah. And that's scary. Like if, if this is something new to you and you don't usually sit in the front, I doubt you're just going to be like, okay, well, in perfect we're going to be fighting for our seats on Sunday. <laughs> right. Um, so one of the other things we did is, is we're really intentional in the home about this. So we have had and have times in our house where our children sit and listen. And that's all they do. It's just a time where they sit in a chair and then we don't allow them to talk. We don't allow them to move around. We just make them sit and listen. Um, and we frame it in a way of this is what we do at church. We sit and we listen to the word of God being preached to us. So we're going to practice that at home yeah, def- for two minutes. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. It's not like we're making them sit for an hour and a half. Like this is how long church is. It's just like a short thing of like, hey, this is what your body looks like when you're listening. Your whole body needs to look like you're listening. So that doesn't mean you're laying down on the pew, but your ears are listening. Like, no, your eyes are looking at the pastor and you're sitting up straight and your ears are listening and your mind is engaged. You're literally your entire body is focused on what's going on. Yeah, they're involved in the worship service as listeners. Um, you know, I think, I think, there, there can be a, a separate disconnect where our children are in church, but they're not in church. They're just in the pew. Um, giving, giving that over to that responsibility over to the children of like, hey, you're part of the worship service as a listener, as somebody who's engaged, helps kind of bridge that barrier of suddenly behaviors start to fall in line. Yeah, um, definitely. I... Um... We do have activities that we bring for the kids during the service um, because I know like we don't have these expectations of you're going to sit and listen well for an hour and a half. Like I know that's somewhat unrealistic for how young they are, but our activities that we bring are centered on what we're doing in church. So like you mentioned, our six-year-old has his little notebook. Um, every once in a while he needs help spelling a word or something. And so I kind of have to whisper it to him. But for the most part, he's engaged in that on his own. Um, and we have conversations at home about like, hey, why are we even learning how to write? Like one, way, one reason that we're doing this is so that we can engage at church. You know, we've talked about this on our, on our other episode before of why do we learn to read? We, we learn to read to read the Bible. Well, why do we learn to write so we can write about the Bible? Right. Um, and engage in that way. So for him, it's that. For the littler kids, um, our five. What he does, I, I love it, is like sometimes he'll, like he has coloring sheets or whatever, but his coloring sheets, he gets bored of them. And so what he'll do, he doesn't really know how to write yet. But what we teach him is um, listen, and every time you hear the word God, write it down. Yeah. It's not hard to teach a four or five year old how to write G O D. Um, but they're listening. They're listening to the sermon. Do, are they comprehending? Not a chance. But they are forming the habit of sitting and listening in church. And that has been really helpful for him. Yeah, definitely. And then our littler kids have, um, yeah, like you mentioned, more of like a coloring sheet type thing of, you know, we might write the word for them. 
And then um, our church has this available too, where, you know, there will be little circles next to it and like color in a circle every time you hear the word sin or Jesus or whatever it is. So, um, you know, since they can't read, it's us engaging them a little bit more and like pointing to it of like, hey, it's time to color this one in. But then they know like, oh, we're talking about sin right now or we're talking about forgiveness or, you know, whatever Mm. it may be. And I think that's been really good. And yeah. And so the last the last thing that we have done as a family that I think has really helped our child, our our children's behavior in the service is family worship. We've talked about it on this podcast before. Ellen and I are huge proponents of it. We just did it a half an hour ago um, with our own kids. Family worship can get goofy. Like it all depends on the mood of the family. But when we pray, our hands are together, our heads are bowed, we're quiet. Everyone's quiet except whoever's praying. Um, when we sing, um, we do a thing uh, at our church or in our family worship where um, sometimes just to keep the kid in- kids engaged, we have them pat the beat on their leg just with their hand. And it's never on beat, but it keeps the kids engaged in what's going on in family worship. And so this is how they're learning some of the songs that we sing on Sunday morning. Um, when we read the Bible, everyone's quiet at family worship. We're all listening to the word be read, even if it's one verse. We do this seven days a week. And so by the time Sunday comes, it's just an expansion of what we've been doing for seven days. So this is just further encouragement to you as a mom, as a dad, to start or continue and keep consistent in doing family worship at home because it just builds back to this passage in Mark. We're passing along the kingdom of God to our children, and it's their job to inherit it. We need to set them up in the best ways possible to inherit the kingdom of God. Mm, so good. Um, I do want to add one more thing. Um, I think it's important for us to to live this out, but also to teach that like, it's not as soon as church lets out, we're done thinking about what happened. So kind of what we do is um, at lunch after church, we just kind of pitch it like, hey, does anyone have any questions or were there words you didn't know or whatever? Um, And if they don't have any questions, then we just kind of do like a brief like, oh, I thought this was really cool when the pastor talked about this. Just one little nugget of something for them to cling to that week Um, instead of just like, okay, it's 12 o'clock. We're out of church. We're done with it for this week. I think it's important to bring it into the home for the rest of. I'll never, I'll never forget the one time driving home from church, our little son goes, dad, what does holy mean? It's just, it's awesome. So precious. Yeah. Like what a great question. Like if you've never heard that word, you don't know. So it's great to open up the opportunity for them to ask questions like that. This episode is running very long. Um, and so I think we're going to wrap up, but there is just a couple things that I, I was thinking through as Ellen was just talking that I want to make sure we say. So number one, we are not against children's ministry. We are not against youth ministry at all. We think they have a place. Um, we think they are very useful to the church, very useful for the family and for parents and for children and youth group aged kids. Um, we're talking about something different. So this is something specifically that happens during the church service. Um, secondly, as soon as church service is over, our kids go ballistic. So like, um, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want two images in, in our listeners heads. One that our kids are like perfect little angels all the time. They're just so perfect and happy and mild mannered or two that, um, we're controlling them and not letting them be kids. If you came to our church on a Sunday 
Uh, as soon as the benediction is read and church breaks, there are kids jumping off the stage. They're everywhere. Our church is just full of kids, but this is the time when parents talk. So we haven't seen each other all week. We're all catching up with one another. Kids are running around wild. Um, so <laughs> there is a balance. Like we, we, we and then, the, sorry, the la- one last thing is like, um, you are not a bad parent if your kid, if you, you are not a bad parent if you're not doing this. You're not a bad parent if you haven't thought through this. You're not a bad parent if your child is misbehaving in church. Um, this is part of parenting. It's, it's our sanctification. It's our children's sanctification. It's our sanctification as a family as we grow into the image of God. So um, please um, think through some of the things we've talked through. If, if, if you have questions or if there's anything we can do to kind of interact, our audience is really small. So if you were to send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, we could respond. Um, so please do. And um, yeah, I think we're going to skip our last two segments this week. Yeah, that's fine. I just want to like reemphasize what you're saying, though, that um, this is what has worked for our family. And that doesn't mean that this is the right or the best way. This is just what works for us. And we just kind of wanted to process through how we got to that point. Um, but if you do it a different way, that's totally fine. Definitely. It's called imperfect family, right? <laughs> like we we want to be realistic about. We what's... are the poster children for the imperfect part. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, my friends, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks. Yeah, and thanks again for all of your prayers this week for our little guy. We are yeah. um, hanging in there with him, and he's doing a lot better. Awesome. All right, guys, take care. Bye.